So, um, prophetic stuff, prophesying, prophetic calendar, prophetic events, what's God saying, what's going on in spirit. It's a lot of stuff that I've been involved with and have done and flowed in for a number of years and love all that stuff. A big thing that happens often around the new year is everyone's like, hey, prophetic voices or prophets, like, what's God's word for the new year? What's the new year word? What's God doing this year? And wasn't really sitting with me this year. If I'm honest, I've never been a huge fan of that. I don't think God is waiting around for, you know, January 1st to do something meaningful and wonderful in our lives all the time. Do I think he can do that? Absolutely. Do I think there's some right on stuff about the new year and prophetic stuff? Absolutely. Don't have any issue with that. But I think the weight that we put towards that can be a little much sometimes. And I think we love change or we're looking for change. A lot of times we're looking for some sort of catalyst to do something that we think we lack. But what if you don't need to change to continue forward in life? What if you just need to continue to be changed? What if you don't need to change to continue into what God has for you? What if you just need to continue in God to be changed? Beloved, there's a lot of things that God's already said and is already doing in your life that are really meaningful and really important. And you may have, it may have slipped your mind and you may have forgotten, but he has not forgotten. A lot of times we're looking for new revelation, a new idea, some sort of new trick, a new book, a new blog post with 10 ways for this. But new, you know, we're, we're looking for new information and new revelation and we don't even realize it sometimes. That's all good stuff. But sometimes equally as good, if not better, are the things that God already has said and already has shown us. And stopping and just paying attention to what he already is doing. You see, I used to feel left out if I felt like a bunch of prophetic people were getting all this stuff about the new year and I didn't get something special until one day, uh, however many years ago, I just realized, oh, like I'm already on track with you, God. You're already working in my life. We're already going somewhere together. I don't need an announcement to herald some massive change. Like, or we're already walking in it. And that's what I would love to see for our body is that we're able to take uh, catalytic change from God or words that can, um, you know, radically change a season, but that we're also able to walk out that place where there is nothing new, but we're able to walk it out really well because we're just so solid in our fellowship with God and continuing with Him. So um, when Jason had asked me if I wanted to do this, I... Um, had considered that idea of giving a, you know, maybe there's a prophetic word for the year, but this is not going to be that. This is actually um, the title the Lord gave me for this message when I talked with Jesus about, what do you want to, I asked him, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> he said, the simplicity of life in trust. Yeah. So what is this message about? This message will focus on how beautifully simple life in Jesus should be and how wonderful, peaceful, and secure life gets to be because of that simplicity. And why will this matter for you? Because all people, Christian and non-Christian alike, spend their lives in pursuit of satisfaction, feeling okay, being happy, a sense of safety, feeling loved, and like they matter. The concept of this message is a key component to living securely and peacefully.
peacefully in those things all the time. And it's something we must refresh ourselves in regularly as we walk throughout life in God, no matter how mature or experienced we are. Sometimes the basics are all we need to be reminded of. You can feel off, you can feel unsure, you might be wondering, feeling directionless or aimless or hopeless, and sometimes we just need to return to the basics. Really, you guys, a lot of times there's not some secret formula or some mystery that you have to just pray like crazy to unravel. There are things and there are times that we press into God and we seek and we find But there's other times that we slow down and we look back to the simplicity, the basic things in God, and we go, I just need that again. I just need to reorient. I need to refresh. I need to be reminded. Here's the thing, too. Your mind can go astray, and you just need to be reminded. It's a good one, huh, Will? It's catchy, but it's important. It's like we needed to be put back into our mind, the mind of Christ, the mind set on the spirit, not set on the flesh. We just need to be reminded by God. Hey, you're okay. You're doing well. I've already talked to you about this season. You're already right in the middle of things that we dealt with months ago. You just forgotten. You're okay. <laughs> you're going to be fine. The older I get, the more I find that to be the case too. <clears throat> Is scripture, I think, um, would be the key piece for this message. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. It's his second epistle to them. And he's saying, um, so you got to, he, he has an extensive relationship with them already, um, as far as we can tell. And he's already written the first epistle to them, which was quite long in the first Corinthians in the New Testament. And there was plenty of good stuff in there. And he's in the, his second letter to them, however many years later that was. And he says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, that your thoughts or minds will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. There's a hi Zoe. Hi. There is um, a real danger to just be really frank with ourselves that our thoughts and our minds can be led astray from the purity and simplicity of devotion to Jesus. I know it's happened in my own life. I can look back and I can see many times, some, a lot of probably minor ways and sometimes some major ways that I was like, dang, gosh, I got off track. Or I started thinking it's about this or this is really important or going after that. And it just little by little began to lead my heart astray from that purity and simplicity. In the, in the purity and simplicity of devotion to Jesus, there's a trust that's unbreakable, that's unyielding, that uh, establishes you, that gives you a foundation. What's your name, bro? Taylor, I sense that the Lord um, really, I'm going to just, as I was saying that, just so you guys know what's going on, I was talking about foundation and establishment, and just Taylor got so highlighted right as I was saying that. It was almost like, you know, you're going along, and then, boop, there's this, like, light, a bloop on my radar, right? And so um, what I'm sensing prophetically for you 
is that you have a secure and a strong foundation in the Lord. And the Lord says, I'm going to build on that, and I'm going to build a lot on it. But it's not, it'll never be too much weight. It'll be my weight. And the yoke that I've made for you, you'll carry well, Taylor. You'll carry well because you trust me. And there's humility in your life, and there's a growing humility. I see it like a vine that just continues to expand and bear more fruit. And your humility in the Lord is going to allow you to just him to build so much on you and to put his, that weight on you and you'll be fine. It won't crush you because your humility almost like uh, blows you up like a balloon. So it's just like it squishes down, but it can't ever like press you down. I bless you, Taylor. Um, that's a good word for all of us too, God. Um, you, okay, dialing back in. Where was I? Cool, there we go. Um, there is uh, that trust that becomes a foundation for our lives that when we fully trust the character of God, we fully trust his word and his promise, and we trust that he loves us like crazy, then we stop freaking out, we stop feeling spiraled out and swirled out, we stop feeling up and down so much, we stop getting thrown off. And then you'll find that it's easier and easier to focus, to center in, and to just be uh, steadfast in the ways of God. And you'll have that mindset about you that if God said it, that settles it, and I believe it, right? Wouldn't you love to live that way? That literally, right, no matter what happens, no matter what comes, no matter what your life looks like in the present moment, and no matter what your circumstances are screaming at you, that you're peaceful, you're joyful and you're confident and assured. Oh yeah, God's got this. He loves me. It's all good. I know what he said. Wouldn't that be wonderful to not be anxious, to never freak out, to never feel swirled out, to not feel challenged by what other people say or by what your parents may say if it's not in line with God or by what um, anything in your life is saying. And beloved, that's a real place that we can enter into. That's not just a pipe dream. You need to hear that. That's not just pipe dream Christianity. That's reality Christianity. <laughs> it really is. That's really reality. I used, to, I, I used to believe in my spirit and hope. Like I knew that that was real, but my life didn't look like that. I was always anxious, always freaking out, always felt up and down, all over the place. You know, could believe God like crazy one day and by the next day I was like, who even is the Lord? You know, I was all over the place. And um, that's no longer the case in my life. There's a massive amount in a lot of ways of stability, of steadfastness, of distrust, of things where I don't even question those anymore with the Lord. Just because of continuing in the journey. Like I said earlier, it wasn't like some massive thing needed to happen in order for me to change. Although God does massive things in grace. There were times he touched my life, but that was of his doing. It was a work of grace. It wasn't me um, working myself all up to try to muster up change. It was just continuing on in Jesus. And beloved, a lot of your breakthroughs just require you to keep going. It's a word for you, Rainy. I want to remind us of our roots, these fundamental things we live by in Jesus that center us and secure us to the golden anchor of truth and reality in Jesus Christ.
And we need to establish and defend our trust in the Lord. Because the first thing Satan called into question with Eve, like we, uh, Seth Dahl reminded, of us, uh, reminded us of a few weeks ago, the first thing Satan called into question with Eve was the character of God. It was what God had said. And he calls that same thing into question in our own lives and the world around us. If you remember what he said to Eve, the first thing he said when Eve said, well, God told us not to eat of this tree. Satan said, well, did God really say? And then he goes on to question the character of God by saying, well, he did, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he knows when you do, then you'll be like him. And He calls that all into question. He weirds it all out. But that's the enemy loves to do that. That's like, that's his A game. That's his main thing is to get us to question the goodness, the faithfulness, the intention of God in our life. To get us to question that God really is for us and really does want our best. Think of that. That's the question right there. Eve, does God really want my best? Well, God doesn't really want you to do this because he knows that if you do, you'll be like him. And I'll let you finish the sentence, right? No. It's a total lie, but it's so effective. If we're not careful, if we're not aware, if we're not returning ourselves to that truth. No, I know who God is. There's four things that I think, um, as I was just talking with the Lord, I was like, all right, Lord, there's a lot of directions we could go with this. It could be prophetic. It could, we could just dive into scripture, turn into teaching about something. And I really felt, again, the Lord pressing and hammering in on just that simplicity. And uh, he just said four things that help you stay in a place of trust and simplicity. And what you understand, these are not a comprehensive list of everything that we, is, life is in Jesus, nor are these, and I really want you to hear this, this is not a to-do list from God. It's not a checklist that he's given us, that if you do them all well, you'll be, you know, you'll have all the blessings and the benefits, and if you don't, then, well, it's your fault. These are more like an anchor, which even whether you, you know, the ship on the top may sway back and forth, waves may lift it up and down, but the anchor stays secure, even if things, you know, whatever's going on and whatever changes these things are, um, are like roots. They're part of our foundation. And it's good to call to our mind, I want to return to this. Or maybe this hasn't been that present in my life. This could be something that's missing. But again, don't let that become a burden or a job assignment. Ugh, I got to do this in order for life to be good. No, it's, it's a blessing, not a, not a demand. So there's four things. I'll read them first. Um, fellowship with God. Reading and meditating on the word of God. Fellowship with other believers. And worship and thanksgiving. Super simple. Sounds really simple. I don't mean it to be cliche at all. But that's the wonderful thing about these things. They aren't cliche. They're just simple They've been truth, they've been foundational forever, and they're just the normal building blocks and components of healthy Christian life. And they're things that, quite frankly, get challenged 
in our life, whether passively or uh, um, in a way that we notice. These are the kind of things that the enemy tries to get us to just wander from because they're so helpful. Such an essential ingredient, kind of like the, sort of like four food groups. Again, I'm not saying this is all, but these are important things. So fellowship with Jesus, Father, and the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. time with God. What can time with God look like? And again, I'm keeping it distinct from we're going to go into the Word of God. We're going to go into fellowship with other believers and into worship and thanksgiving. So primarily, let's leave those out of this. I'm going to ask you guys to give some examples. What can time with God look like? It can be real simple. Anybody go ahead and just give a, some examples. Listening, love that. Reading, reading, cool. Love it. Dance, cool. Worship, going for a walk. Going for a walk, I love that. It's one of my favorites. Surfing, yeah, come on, cool. Can really. To be honest, it can really look like a lot of things. It's going to look like different things for different people. I love that you said going on a walk. Sometimes I got in the habit a number of years ago. It was sometimes you'll have these things with the Holy Spirit where it's like he just flips a switch and it's super simple. It's not anything crazy or heavy. Just like, oh, I should try that. Where I used to wake up in the morning and try to decide how I wanted to spend time with God. And that was just, it didn't work fantastically. And I also used to try to be like, okay, well, I'm going to do this devotional thing. It's going to look like this every single morning. And God, I would get so bored. That did not work very well for me. So I'm not this like, oh, it's all the same all the time. But then I started thinking about my relationships and even the way I do life with my wife or my best friends or my children. I never do the same thing all the time. It's just not who I am. So it would be totally unnatural to think my relationship with God would look like that. Well, we're just going to go through this devotional every day for three months. So, uh, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with. I'm just saying that didn't work for me. So, um, it would, I, I started asking the Holy Spirit. This was a thought he gave me. Just ask me what I want to do in the morning. I have great ideas. I was like, oh, I like that. So I started every morning when I'd wake up. I'd just be like, Lord, what do you want to do today? Someday, sometimes he would say, let's talk. Which for me was a, a, a um, which for me let me know that it was a good time to journal. So I'd pull up my journal and I would just write down what he was saying to me and then write down what I was saying back to him. And that was really, really, has been for a lot of years a really great practice in my life. There's other times he would say, um, I just want you to worship me. Let's just do some worship or let's read the word. You know, and it, just real simple things would just keep it fresh. And then I would know, cool, he's on that for today. And when I do that, I can just be in line with him just real easy. And then go for a walk was one of the ones he started saying more often than I thought he would. And sometimes that would bum me out because I'd be like, ah, it's like cold outside or whatever. <laughs> I don't want to. But every time I do it, it feels so good. And my times with him walking were always different than my times with him journaling. Somehow it was like a different part of my spirit was connecting with God. And it was so good for me. Just little simple things. So it can look like a lot of different things. It can, you can keep it fresh, keep it fun. Um, Time with God. Jesus modeled this, um, excuse me, really well. Jesus did it. 
Mark 1.35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And again, Luke 5.16, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He made a habit of it. A lot of us may not need to slip off into the wilderness because we don't have thousands of people clamoring for our attention all the time. (laughs) Thank God in my life. I mean, I would love to be walking with Jesus walking and don't get me wrong, but then there's a very reality of, wow, that's a lot of of demand all the time. But um, you may need to slip away from whatever it is in your life that gets you going first thing in the morning. That may be slipping away from having your phone next to your bed and rolling over and opening your phone in the morning. That may be, um, you know, you may need to go out for a walk, like Monty said, because it's a little too noisy in your house with everybody getting ready in the morning. Whatever the case is, again, keep it simple. Try different things. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, no biggie. Um, so Jesus did it. Jesus talked about it. He's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. He said, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Again, modeled in Jesus' life, Jesus defended it. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So she went up to Jesus and says, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Oh, tell her then to help me. <laughs> but Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will never be taken away from her. Jesus defended time with God in that space of intimacy uh, in Regards to what could have been considered a fair challenge. You know, hey, how come I have to do all the work? (laughs) Jesus made that clear. And lastly, Jesus commanded it. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. He is the one that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. So, time with God. Jesus did it. He talked about it. He defended it. And he commanded it. Number two, one of these other wonderful things. Reading and meditating on the word of God. I just want to ask real quick, why? What does this give us? There's a lot of answers to that question. A lot of valid answers to that question. I want to highlight one right now. The word of God gives us a solid picture of who God is. There is tremendous misinformation about God in the world around us, including information that he doesn't exist or you're crazy if you believe him, all the way through um, all kinds of false pictures of who he is. The word of God, the Bible, gives us a solid picture of who God is and the realities of the kingdom and the gospel that we live in. Kind of like the Constitution helps govern the United States. It gives us this solid reality, this picture of this is the kind of governance, this is the kind of uh, lifestyle we're going to set out and we're going to stick to it. The Word of God, it's, it's, it's your map in an unknown territory. 
Bible says that we're aliens and strangers in this world. We're sojourners. We're vagabonds. We're, we're a people who this is not our home. And we're citizens of heaven. But like Abraham, by faith, we're believing for a city that has foundations. That's architect and builder is God. We don't live there yet. We can live in a heavenly reality. But we're not 100. It's not 100%. You know, one day we'll see fully. As Paul wrote. So when you're in unfamiliar territory or you don't know the way to navigate, it would be really natural to look at a map, right? To study it. Or if you're sailing and you don't know much about it, it would be really natural if you're out on the open sea to learn about sailing, to learn all you can, to read, to look at the diagrams, to take in whatever you can. The Word of God's a lot like that for our life. You can live such a successful and prosperous Christian life. And when I say prosperous, I don't just mean money. I mean in all the blessing of God. Such a successful and prosperous life just by living according to the principles of the word of God. So when you have a relationship with God and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you have the word of God, it's like superpower. It's really wonderful stuff. And it'll ground your life. And establish you in peace and joy in the most wonderful way. Psalm 119, verse 105. Anyone recognize that reference? You will recognize the verse. Anyone recognize the reference? Come on, guys. There's only like a thousand verses in Psalm 119. You haven't memorized each one of them? Not even you, Jason? You don't know? Psalm 119, 105? Guess. Come on. You don't even want to guess. It's about the word. Okay. Yes, Hannah, let's give her a hand. Woo! Good. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Throw her a bone, Jay? Jay bone? Okay, encourage her, good. That's, but that's number three, okay? Fellowship with other believers. You need to wait for the next point. Re, um, you ever think about that? Your word is a lamp to my feet. And a light to my path. Something I like to do with scripture or things that God says is actually take time to think about it, to picture it, to consider what that reality would look like, both in a theoretical sense, like a story, but also in a very practical sense. Like, what would this actually look like in my life? And if you imagine that you're in a dark place, um, but you have a lamp to your feet, then each one of your steps, you're going to know where to take. You're going to know how to avoid potholes. You're going to know where the path is. There's going to be um, a reality, this, this close, like I know the next step in front of me. And a lot of times in our relationship with God, that will be the reality of where you're walking. You're not going to see everything clearly about what you're going, but you're going to trust and you're going to see the step in front of you. And you just keep trusting. Okay, you're being a lamp to my feet right now. I'm going to be at peace with that. I'm not going to freak out or get all bummed out or crazy because I don't know where my life's going and I'm hopeless and all that stuff. If this is a lamp to my feet, time, then I'm going to enjoy it with you, God, and I'm going to trust you. And there's other times that his word is a light into our path. A lot of times, both of these realities are going on in different areas of our life, but the light into my path is like um, this big floodlight shining down so you can see well ahead of you, sometimes maybe even to the horizon, because God will speak to us. Like Mark said, John 10, he loves to speak to us. The reason the prophetic exists is because God loves to show us the reason we are made. He loves to show us what he's doing in our life. He loves to make his promise real to us in our minds and in our, what we're able to, our vision. 
and that light under your path, when you can see on the horizon, there's a, another place of hope that can awaken in you of like, wow, it may look like this today, but one day somehow God's going to take me there. And that's really important that we develop trust for that reason too, because if you don't trust in the character and the love of God, then you're going to have a hard time being encouraged and stirred in your hope when you think about the promises of God that are a long way off. And you're going to question if that's really ever going to happen in your life or if you're really good enough or if you... Your life's really going to matter. I'm going to stop for a second. It's an important point to hit, you guys. A lot of us face discouragement and disillusionment. Feeling confused or hopeless at times. That is normal of the human experience. But it's not the hope that God's extended to us in Jesus. He's given us a hope that's an anchor for our soul. He's given us a hope that does not disappoint, the scripture says. Even in First Peter, he said, uh, Peter wrote that God's given us new birth, or given us birth into a new and living hope. You have a living hope with Jesus. And it's really critical in our lives that we come to that place of trusting God. It's not just something, I get it. You can't just slip a switch and change everything. Be like, okay, I trust you 100% now. I get that. But we can lean into trust. We can press into trust. We can continue to move that direction and not give up until hope becomes a normal part of our lives in the places where we felt depressed or we felt discouraged, disillusioned, or hopeless actually become a uh, flowering field of joy. Mm -hmm. That's a really good picture. That's really possible. That's a really wonderful gift in Jesus. You're meant to be able to look at your horizon, things that still feel a long way off in your life, but have some promises of God or prophetic pictures or words about your life and be excited and delighted about those and not have to question it. Not have to wonder if you have what it takes or if it'll, you know, if it'll really be that good. You're meant to really trust and really hope and really believe. And we need to be reminded of that. We need to remind each other of that. It's really important. It's really important. Because you live differently when you believe that. You really do. And there's a peace. There's a peace and a calm that comes over your life when you really believe that. That's a wonderful thing. Second Timothy three, sixteen to seventeen, another popular one. Still really important. All scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. You know, you may have heard that verse a hundred times. That's great. 
But let's just remember the word of God never loses its power just because we've heard it more than once. Still true. I'll still look at things like this that I've heard since I was a kid or read and be like, Father, thank you. Thank you that this word, thank you that the scripture is breathed out by you. And it's profitable day in and day out for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that I may be competent, that I may be equipped, that I may be ready for every good work. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Things aren't meant to get old. They're just meant to be um, almost like piling layer and layer and layer and layer and layer on top of each other until they become so significant in our lives. It's like a rock. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hmm. I'll read that again. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. <laughs> the scriptures are meant to encourage you and <laughs> give you hope. Everybody loves encouragement. It's the best thing ever. Everybody loves to feel hopeful. When you feel hopeful, you feel alive. You feel stoked. You're excited about life. (laughs) That's a wonderful feeling. Raise your hand if you like that feeling. Yeah, thank you very much. It's everybody. It's wonderful. The scriptures can give us that. I know it can feel dry at times or feel like we don't know where to go with scripture or we don't have a plan I understand all that stuff. You know what? Sometimes things in life, you just got to work through them and work, work them out. That's life. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It's okay if you feel like that at times. Just keep going. Keep pressing in. Say a little prayer. Holy Spirit, help me with this because it feels, honestly, I feel so dry as I'm here. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know that your word is truth and it's life. So help me out here. And then uh, be willing to not give up. It's a pretty simple formula. Just purity and simplicity. You said that your word is good. You said that your word is life. (laughs) You said you sanctify them by your word, Father, for your word is truth. I'm going to believe that. So I'm just going to keep going. And let's encourage each other to do that. It's okay. If it doesn't feel as life-giving all the time, that's okay. Stick, Stick with it. And Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. I love taking scriptures like that as well and going, Father, I thank you that every single one of your words proves true, no matter what, all the time. And your truth is the reality I'm going to live by. What you say is true and no lie is going to overtake me, is going to dissuade me, is going to confuse me. No lie is going to put me off course. I thank you that your word proves true and you'll be a shield for me as I believe your word. Take refuge in you and in your word and you're going to be a shield for me, God. I thank you for that. And I'm like, I'm actually practicing it right now in front of you guys. It's a moment with the Lord that I'm sharing because it can be this simple and powerful to just engage God in what he wants us to engage him in. He loves when we engage him in his word, when we engage him in prophetic words, when we engage him in thanksgiving and in worship. He loves that because not only does it honor him and it just he's stoked on it, but he knows the radical power that it has in our lives. Beloved, this is radical power to live a transformed, glorious life. To take God at his word, to live in the word, to believe what he says, to trust him. Father, thank you that you're a shield for me. In every way. 
All right, how are we doing here, guys? Hanging in. Number three, fellowship with other believers. I'm going to plug through here pretty quickly towards the end. Um, it's just good to be around each other. We remind each other. We give testimony. We encourage each other. There's something about togetherness that stirs each other up in the right direction. Rather than when you're on your own, you can kind of just start the downward spiral. It's just pretty basic. There's not a lot more to say than that. Um, I've seen a lot of people, I've done it in my own life, step away from fellowship for various reasons. Some of them um, seem like good reasons. But uh, the fruit of it is very rarely an improved and enhanced uh, life of faith and life in Christ. I'm just being honest. And if you think about it, it's, it's unnatural and bizarre to not be around your family. Right? There's to, God designed it as the most natural thing to fellowship together, to be together with other believers. Believers have been doing that for thousands of years. They've been gathering ever since Jesus first took off and people first started getting saved. They've been gathering together just naturally. It's not like anyone needed to tell them to do it. Um, and I've seen a trend in our society, and like I said, I've been a part of it in times past, uh, to start to think, well, I don't really need to be with other believers. Like, I believe in God, I believe the Word, like, I have a good relationship with God, I'm good. Or, well, I hang out with other people sometimes who are Christians, like, that's good enough. Not knocking that, that is great. But there's a real lack of intentionality sometimes that happens. I've seen a lot of people, I'm like, cool, well, did you guys encourage each other at all? Or did you testify at all? Or is any, what came of that? Well, we just kind of, you know, no. <laughs> we just hung out and we chatted and stuff. Nothing wrong with hanging out and chatting either. You guys, you can hear me here. Hear me out. I think you guys are all tracking with me. It's a good train. We're going to stay on it. Um, there is, Satan's no dummy. Like, divide and conquer is a brilliant military strategy. It really is. As wolves will try to find a sheep that wanders off a little bit from the flock. It's easy to pick off. It's not meant to be fearful. It's not like, oh, be afraid, go to church on Sunday. That's not what this is about. But on the other hand, it's a normal, it's, a, it's reality. It's the truth. You are not designed to do this thing on your own. The Bible is very clear that you are, were placed into a body where God desired to place you. He placed you in the body how he desired, that we are a building being made up of living stones, that we are the family of God. It's so clear. It's really unnatural and unhealthy to just start living solo, isolated Christianity. So just be aware. Be aware of that temptation and the tendency to drift sometimes. Because I think it hits a lot of different believers at different times in their lives. You may get burned in the church. You may get hurt by people. You may get jaded, whatever. Um, Just be aware. Be aware. And a lot of times it happens slow, guys. It's not like you decide one day, well, I don't really want to hang out with Christians anymore. It's just little things until, you know, months, months later, you really are doing it on your own. And... Your life shows the fruit of it. Um, so Hebrews 10, chapter, or verse 23 through 25, a classic verse. Again, important though. 
The writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's real basic. There's no words to mince there. I'm not even, not even going to get into what does it mean in the Greek. You know, let's break it down. It's clear message. Just don't, don't get in the habit of neglecting to meet together. This is needed. Now, let's consider these things. How to stir one another up and encourage one another. And I want to say this too. This, is, this, is, this popped out to me as I was writing through this and just landed in my spirit. I think this is going to be, it's an important point and really helpful for all of us. We can and need to rejoice in and celebrate what our mutual father is doing in our siblings' lives. Knowing that it shows a true picture of who he is for us as well. I'll say that again a different way. When God's really blessing somebody else and they give a testimony, that's a time to get excited, to rejoice, to be thankful. It's the wrong time to feel left out, to feel you know, what about me? To feel like, ah, everybody else is getting breakthrough except me. <laughs> it's not, while that may feel like a natural response, that's the wrong response. And it's common. We've all experienced it. Jealousy, feeling left out. So, if you feel that, just flip it and choose to rejoice and give thanks. Father, I thank you that you're blessing Joey's life. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that breakthrough is like a train in his life. It's not just one car or two cars or three cars, but it's a flipping mile-long train of blessing that you're going to pour out in his life. Just keep doing it for my brother, Lord. Keep blessing him. Keep favoring him. Keep opening doors. Bring that train into the station more and more and more, God, until it blows his mind and every door that opens up just piles out gold, just pours out onto the platform. He's dancing and singing and rejoicing in you, Lord. Man, if you live like that, your life is gonna be flipping blessed. I guarantee you. Amen? If you live that way, if you rejoice with those who rejoice, you are gonna align with heaven and you're going to attract so much favor, so much blessing, so much grace into your life because it's a spiritual law. It's not just because God's like, okay, now I want to bless you. He always wants to bless you. But it's like a spiritual law. You can't align your heart that way and not have it come down your path and strike you too in the most wonderful way. Scripture, I believe too, that concept of giving that Jesus talked about, right? It says, give and it will be given back to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and over, you know, overflowing, poured into your lap. Uh, for the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So, beloved, if you want to see breakthrough, reason, cause for celebration, rejoicing and blessing in your life, then give loads of thanks and rejoicing to God for when he's doing it in your brother and sister's lives. It's a team sport, Right? One of my buddies at work, he said, you know what? I don't care who gets the credit as long as the team gets the win. Whoo. There's a good word right there. I was like, oh, I didn't hear that. <laughs> it's good. But we just keep it, it's like you keep it moving around. 
if it keeps happening, I've seen things that God's doing and blessing he's pouring out. I'm not going to create a theology around this, but I'm just going to say what I've observed and it concerns me. It's like it starts, blessing starts moving, breakthrough starts happening, and then it gets like extinguished because people feel jealous, feel left out. They don't want to celebrate and rejoice in other people's stuff. And it's just like, ugh. And I really, I really do think that if people would just be like, no, yes, thank you, God. Do more of it. Give them more. Rejoicing. That's who you are, Father. Thank you. That it's just going to increase and increase and increase. You're just going to keep that thing going around and around and around and around and around. And nobody's going to be safe from a blessing. <laughs> it's good. It's going to come back and get you in the best way. It'll come back to you too. You're rejoicing that, that you're, you're, you are confessing your trust in your father. That he's not just like that for them. He's like that for you too. It's just a matter of time. You'll get yours. You're going to get whacked in the most wonderful way. It's in the mail. That's a good word. Thank you, Lord. I pray you make us a body like that. That we get stoked and celebrate and rejoice in (laughs) and delight in everybody's breakthrough and everybody's blessing. In Jesus' name. Come on, Papa. (laughs) Test us in this. (laughs) Bless us. All right. Worship and thanksgiving. I'm running short on time here. But it's so good. What does this lifestyle look like? Worship and Thanksgiving. You guys probably could all give some really fantastic answers to this too. And I think they would all be suitable. Perfect. I don't have anything unique or new revelation to add to this. Other than like we've, all, we've said many times, worship and Thanksgiving is just a lifestyle. It's, just how, it's a posture of your heart. It's a, it's a normalcy that you uh, live in in your life. That you just, you're just always thanking him. You're just always praising him. You're just like, oh, I love you, Papa. Oh, you're the best. I praise you, God. It's what you do. Yeah, it's here when you're together and you're worshiping. But you're just giving thanks. You're worshiping. You're rejoicing. I remember back in 2008, um, Graham, 2009, Graham Cook started uh, a series called The Water Level is Rising at the church I was going to, uh, Jubilee Church in Camarillo. And one of the things he was really hitting home was just rejoicing in Thanksgiving, how absolutely essential it is for living and overcoming life in Jesus. It's just like you can't do it without it. Rejoicing and Thanksgiving are so necessary. And it's so, it's so, so normal in our culture to live the opposite, to be negative, to be critical, to think the worst, to be a pessimist. All that stuff is just a load of crap that's from the world. It really is. So to live in the kingdom culture and the nature of I'm always rejoicing, I'm always giving thanks, I'm always celebrating who God is, I'm always believing the best in God because what Jesus paid for is way too much for life to look anything but amazing in God. Worship and thanksgiving is, you, you, you have to train yourself to do it. It's not a chore, but it's not always going to feel natural. Until one day, you just keep doing it, 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 until you're on the other side of the hill and it gets easy and natural. And that's, the rewards of that are fantastic. It took me a while. It was, it was sort of hard work. It was training. Um, and there were times that I would let go of it for weeks or months at a time and then be like, oh, I gotta get back into that. You know, it was just grace just got me over that hump. And um, 
Now I love it. I just love living and rejoicing and thanksgiving and praise. And it's such a, when you get strong in that, it's a powerful way to combat negative things in your life. It's a powerful way to combat your circumstances. Something that could have thrown you off or derailed you in the past can now be something you just meet it at the door with rejoicing and thanksgiving and how faithful God is and how good God is and that you know he already has a plan, that you know the breakthrough is already ready, that he's going to lift you up through this, that you're going to be the head and not the tail, that he's going to establish you in his righteousness. I mean, it's like, it's so good. I could keep going on that. Man, I'm like ready to do it right now. Come on, God, you're so good. I love you. I rejoice in you, Lord. Thank you for how good you guard. Thank you that you're powerful. Thank you that you overcome. Thank you that we overcome. Consider Ephesians 5, uh, 18 through 21. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it goes on to say, leading us to potentially conclude, what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? I would suggest there's a list here of some things it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I go around singing all the time, in my head, in the shower, wherever I am. It's like, I love Jesus. And I may not sound like Mark Barlow, but Jesus loves my singing too. I love just singing little psalms. I'll turn like songs my kids are listening to from Frozen into like spiritual songs. Like, yes I know, yes I know, God you're good all the time. I've never actually sung that. That was a first. It was spontaneous. Spontaneous worship. It's my style. Woo! Thank you. I might have a career in this. That felt good. Spiritual songs is, um, could be a number of things. I think that singing in the spirit, if you have to get the tongues, I, sometimes I just start singing in tongues too, just to the Lord. I love it. It's like, they're all just different facets of something beautiful. And there's just making merry in your heart. You know, when was the last person you heard somebody who's whistling or is just kind of singing a happy song that's they're depressed and they're bummed out and they're discouraged. Sometimes y'all just need to sing. The next one is singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes y'all just need to sing right there. It's in the Bible. I love making melody to the Lord in my heart. Sometimes it is just in my heart. I'm just like thinking about Jesus. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is, thanksgiving, all the time, for everything. So many things to be thankful for. If something, you're having a hard time giving thanks because you're like, "Ah, these things aren't happening, then just, you just need to think about something else and start giving thanks about that. Keep it simple. And uh, lastly, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ which ties back into fellowship with other believers. Point number three, there's a beauty in that, submitting to one another, and um, I won't go into that, but man, worship and thanksgiving. Oh, just make it fun. Just do it. This whole thing, beloved, the simplicity of life and trust just comes down to trusting God, his character and his love for you, trusting his word, so that you can live simply in the peace and joy that he's already given you. Knowing that he will take care of you and bless you as his child for today and into your destiny. Some simple stuff here. It's nothing fancy. But beloved, there's clarity in simplicity.
So if you want clear vision and a clear mind and heart, sometimes you just need to stick to the simple. Father, I bless this body. I bless your children. I celebrate all that you've done among them. (laughs) All that you have been for each person in this room. Whether it's been felt or unfelt. Whether it's been seen or unseen. I thank you that you've faithfully, faithfully, faithfully been loving them. That you've been Father. That you've been good and kind. Lord, I pray for uh, just a splash of goodness and kindness over every person. In this body, in Jesus' name, that we would um, be tasting and seeing that you are good because we're keeping, we have a clarity in our vision by remembering the simple things that there's so much of your goodness and your kindness around us and in our lives, God. I thank you for that, Father. I pray that you would remind us, Holy Spirit, we'd be transformed by the renewing of our mind to pull us back into what you've already done, what you've already said. And that we'd be established in just the simple things in Jesus. That purity and simplicity of devotion to Christ would be so natural for us. Anywhere that we've been led astray or deceived by the cunning of the serpent God, I pray that you would cut that off in Jesus' name and you would restore and remind us of the truth in Christ settle our hearts and that this would be a blessed, beautiful, prosperous, productive, holy, wonderful year. Because we did the simple things well with your help and we walked with you, Holy Spirit. And we're steadfast and secure in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mike. Wonderful word. I just want to encourage us that the blessing of God is always on the doer and never the hearer of the word. And so when you hear a message, you're always looking for God, what are you saying to me? Like, what are you saying to me? What do, what do you want to say to me through what Mike just shared? And so I would just say to you right now, like, figure that out with God. Don't ever leave just like hearing more knowledge and being like, wow, that was cool. Um, that guy made me laugh or this, but just like, what is the spirit saying to you today? And then we're just going to end right now with one song together. So if we can all just stand. Sometimes it's just good to just stand for God, even if you don't feel like it. I just feel like, um, yeah. I just want to ask you guys, you know, to really just commit this year to the Lord. I know some of you guys are coming off of the family stuff and the, the Christmas funk, and I've done this long enough to know how this works, but... I just want to say we can sign up afresh with God. Whatever has gone on this last month or whatever, like it doesn't matter that you could just sign up afresh today with Jesus and say, God, here I am again. Here I am again.